Hey everyone, and welcome to the Sunny Go One Piece podcast. On this episode, we're going to be talking about anime episodes 110 through 112, which will be covering manga chapters 176 through 181. This is it. This is where the beginning of the end of the Alabasta Saga begins. And it is one of the most amazing rides ever, as it's filled with so many incredible twists, turns, and one incredible moment after another. So, let's get started. With the synopsis, the Straw Hats, after their escape from Rain Base, make their way to Arabana, but before they can make it out of town, Crocodile snatches Vivi, but Luffy sacrifices himself to save Vivi and stays behind to take on Crocodile. Luffy fights Crocodile while the others make their way to Arabana to stop the Civil War from beginning. Pretty simple synopsis for these episodes, but man, so much happens. But before that, let's go over the differences. Although there really aren't any differences, these chapters are for the most part adapted very faithfully from the manga. The only real differences are some of the smaller cutaway scenes are rearranged a bit just to make the flow better from episode to episode. Like when the Straw Hats are discussing amongst each other, the scene with Toto and Yuba, or Igaram's return. They're all shuffled around a bit, but nothing to the point where it makes it feel like everything's changed dramatically. Alrighty, so let's get into my thoughts. The Straw Hats make their escape with the help of Lashes and Chopper arriving just in time with some assistance from this giant desert crab which later on Nami will name Hasami or Pincers in English. But just before they can leave Rain Base, however, Crocodile comes out of nowhere to snatch up Vivi, dragging her back, but Luffy intercepts and sacrifices himself instead while ordering the rest of the crew to take Vivi to Arubana. Zoro, of course, now takes over command and makes the decision to push forward. With Zoro's resolve, the rest all place their trust in Luffy and push forward. However, this leaves Luffy in an incredibly dire situation as he's now left all alone in the desert to face both Crocodile and Miss All Sunday. So yeah, this is one of those moments we've all been waiting for this entire time. But there's just something about this that feels off because we know that there's no way Luffy can beat him. So how's he going to escape this situation? Crocodile is now annoyed with Luffy constantly getting in his way, but gives him three minutes to face him one-on-one. But for Crocodile, this is more like just playing with his food. Luffy is completely outmatched, as he can't land a single hit on Crocodile, as they all pass right through him due to the sand powers that Crocodile possesses, and he just, every one of his hits just lands straight through him. But despite the dire and serious tone of this overall fight, I do really enjoy the running joke throughout this fight that that Crocodile is trying to tell Luffy that no matter what he does, he can't beat him. But that final time he tries to say katenai, which is can't win in Japanese, Luffy just punches him in the mouth and gets cut off and makes Crocodile say kape. There's just something about Crocodile just yelling out kape. And this infuriates Crocodile, and he starts to really show his powers, and it's overwhelming, with Luffy completely helpless. I remember reading this the first time and thinking to myself, what the hell is Luffy going to do? He's getting demolished. Like, how is he going to get out of this or turn this fight around? And as the fight continued, I legit got scared that Luffy was going to actually lose this fight, which was unthinkable at this point in the story because, you know, he's never lost. And that was precisely what happened. Crocodile reveals that he's been the one sending all the sandstorms to Yuba to torture Luffy even more mentally. He decides to send another one. This understandably pisses Luffy off. And he goes up to Crocodile to get him to stop. And then all of a sudden, all sound goes silent. And Luffy's face goes blank. And we see that Crocodile has brutally impaled Luffy with his 
giant hook hand, and the last shot of episode 110 is Crocodile holding up Luffy's lifeless body with blood dripping down it. This was honestly one of the most shocking things I saw as a 15 year old kid at the time. It was pretty much a foregone conclusion that Luffy was going to lose the fight, but I never imagined this scenario where he would be mortally wounded on the brink of death. I mean, this was so chilling and dark seeing that silhouette of Luffy's lifeless body just hanging there. You just kind of have to stop reading or watching and catch your breath. It's like a physical gut punch seeing that. That shot of Luffy hanging off Crocodile's hook is one of those moments that are seared into your memory and will go down as one of One Piece's biggest moments because this is huge. It was also shocking just because up till now, One Piece has not really shied away from extreme violence or blood. It's always been veiled in this sort of fantasy adventurous tone though, but this is the first time you see just how dark the series can get. The other thing that's so shocking is that this is the first time Luffy has really lost a fight after 100 plus episodes. We've seen Luffy as this near unbeatable protagonist with the closest he's ever come to being under threat was Arlong, but even then, it was also this really lighthearted comical fight for the most part. However, here Luffy not only loses, but he gets absolutely decimated without him being able to even touch Crocodile. It's all pretty insane and leaves you kind of numb when you see this part for the first time. The next episode picks up with Luffy still impaled, but we see that the water from Toto around his neck was stabbed and it turns out the dripping that we saw at the end of the last episode was mostly water with just a bit of blood mixed together. However, we get a subtle hint as to how Crocodile could possibly be defeated. As the water runs down Crocodile's arm, Luffy in his wounded state is able to grab the arm and squeeze so hard it actually inflicts some pain on Crocodile. I know you're probably getting tired of me pointing this out, but I'm going to keep doing it because it's really awesome to see and it's often something I never really took notice of till I started this podcast. But we again get to see the two vice captains take control and lead in Luffy's absence. We saw Zoro take control during the confrontation to make the hard decision to leave Luffy behind and now we see Nami doing her thing to keep calm and focus the crew on what needs to be done next. However, one thing that I'm always amazed at with Oda is how he's always able to give everyone things to do and contribute to the story. This unfortunately has kind of gotten away from him in more recent arcs where I am at in the Wano or even before that with Dressrosa, you know, Whole Cake Island whatnot. Just because of the sheer expansiveness of the story by this point and so many characters he has to balance, some of the characters get shafted a bit, but not so much here in the early going of One Piece. He still manages to balance it really well. The next scene in the Sandoro River is pure comedy though, which is a nice break from the intensity of the last episode. Um, Hasami the Crab can't swim and tries to run across it with the power of perviness. But obviously it doesn't work and it begins to sink 30 seconds into the river and they're forced to swim the rest of the way. Then we get a nice callback to Vivi's useless nature facts of Alabasta as she explains that the Sandoran catfish is a rare and <laughs> is a rare fish and understandably Usopp is terrified at this building sized fish that, that's about to eat them. And yells at Vivi, we don't need that kind of explanation right now. And then Vivi decides to mention the more pertinent information that its favorite food is humans. And Usopp's reaction to this crying, say that one first, is so funny. 
And then we get this secondary joke, and one of my favorite running gags in the series from here on out is whenever Chopper is terrified of something, he immediately latches onto Zoro's face, rendering Zoro useless. <laughs> and you can see in the shot that everyone is swimming away frantically from the catfish, but Zoro is still facing forward, unable to move because he can't see with Chopper all over his face. But we get another nice payoff to a setup from much earlier as Luffy's pupils, quote-unquote, the Kung Fu Dugong come to save their senior pupils as they beat up the catfish and then they help them across the river to the rest of the way. Once they make it to the other side of the river, we're then introduced to the awesome supersonic Karugama or Duck Squadron. My favorite aside from Karu himself is that maverick looking cowboy one on the far left. They arrive just in time to get the straw hats and take them the rest of the way to Arubana. Although, I wonder how they knew they were going to be at that exact point at that exact time. Obviously, this is just anime logic, so they obviously just were there at the right time. Now, we cut back to Rain Base, where Luffy was left for dead as Crocodile just threw him into the quicksand. But Luffy isn't dead yet, and he's actually more alive than I thought he was, <laughs> like considering the wound he sustained and the amount of damage he has. But he seems to have a lot of energy still and is craving meat. But then one of the craziest and mysterious twists reveals itself here as Miss All Sunday shows up out of nowhere to save Luffy and lift him out of the sand, then proceeds to ask some very cryptic questions. She asks why those with the name of D continue to fight, and Luffy, like us, don't know what the hell she's talking about, but it's clear she knows something about the D name, but doesn't know the full picture. You start to understand why she's been following them the whole journey and sort of helping them, quote-unquote. It's still unclear if she's there to help them or if she's just guiding and keeping him alive to uncover more information about the Ds for her own gain. But this was a huge piece to understanding what Miss All Sunday, aka Nico Robin, is. Interesting that her real name was revealed, unlike the other agents, as if we need to know this, but we aren't sure why. But in any case, there's still a ton of mystery surrounding this character. It's interesting too that we get the second piece to the mystery surrounding the D initial as we got our first piece in drum where Dr. Kureha mentions the fact that the, the will of the D still lives and now we get another piece of information that there is more Ds out there and that there are something unique about these people. But yeah, this is where we get start to get to see the, the mystery of the D initial sort of expand a bit more. Of course, this mystery of the initial of D or the will of D becomes a big pillar in the One Piece story, and it's something that sort of permeates the rest of the entire series up until now. And it's interesting to see how it began sort of just slowly unfolding itself here. However, that's not all we get here that Pell is still alive and has chased Miss All Sunday out to the desert here, but instead, she leaves him and tells him to help Luffy instead. That moment of Luffy emphatically yelling to Pell, Meat! is so absurd and hilarious, I bust out laughing every time. Because that's the last thing you'd expect out of anything in that moment. And with the hat trick, with one last twist reveal at the end of this episode, we find out that Igaram is actually still alive and has now arrived in Alabasta. This I did not see coming at all when I first read through this. But it kind of makes sense given the fact that we are starting to see that Miss All Sunday may not be all bad as she has now on a couple of occasions helped our heroes. So it's entirely conceivable 
that she may have blown up his boat on Whiskey Peak, but spared his life. However, this will be interesting to see how Igram will factor into the conflict, as well as his ability to stop the war, considering that we've kind of gotten this sense that he holds a lot of clout and influence over not only just the royal guard, but just among the people as well. He seems to be well-liked by both the citizens and the royal army. So in episode 112, this is the start of the final battle, where all the players will meet in an epic clash. The arrival of the Straw Hats is so awesome, as they all charge in on the Karugamos in matching cloaks to split the Baroque Works agents apart, making them take them on on a more manageable scale to give Vivi a chance for her to sneak into the capital. I think one of my favorite things about this whole sequence is all of them trying to do terrible impressions of Vivi, especially Usopp and Zoro's terrible attempt at speaking feminine like a girl. <laughs> it's, it's so bad, but it's so funny, especially with Zoro's like t- incredibly deep voice. But by far the best part of this entire sequence is them revealing that none of them are actually Vivi. And I'm not entirely sure why, but I love this moment in the manga a lot more. It's done almost exactly the same way, but the manga had this huge two-page spread split into six ways showing each member's face as they all said, too bad, you guessed wrong. I just think it looks cooler with all six of them in the image at the same time, all talking at the same time, and I kind of wish they did this six-way split screen in the anime as well. I could envision them doing this nowadays, but I guess back then, the average TV was still only like 20 to 30 inches, and in that 4x3 standard definition, so, so squishing them all into one screen could have maybe not looked as good at the time, but yeah, I loved flipping that page and seeing all six of them with their like faces just plastered across this two-page spread was just awesome. Anyways, with the Baroque Works agents all split up following the Straw Hats, Vivi makes it to the front lines in hopes of getting the attention of the rebel army to stop them from attacking the capital. The Baroque Works unfortunately have infiltrated both armies to interrupt her efforts and fire in the field to kick up dust and obscure anyone from seeing Vivi. And you know, you'd think you'd be used to this by now, but by this point, you're still incredibly annoyed at like the lengths that Crocodile has gone to sort of keep Vivi away from stopping this war. And every time you see Vivi get so close, and then to have something stupid like this happen, all because of the Baroque works, it's, it's actually maddening. It's really, you like feel the frustration, not only that the characters experience, but you yourself just feel annoyed that this keeps happening. As a result though, Vivi almost gets trampled in the dust, but Karu jumps on top of her to save her. I like the way this scene is actually depicted in the manga a little bit better, as it makes it seem like Karu doesn't make it in time and Vivi was at least injured. And then so it's a surprise reveal in the next page that Karu not only did make it, but just how much he took for her and is now just gravely injured was a pretty shocking reveal. However, in the anime, this scene is still a very powerful moment, but it's pretty obvious that Karu makes it to Vivi even before we see the cutaway and the aftermath of the trampling. Just then though, in a strange turn of events, Usopp appears to help, but all we all know it's not really him. There's no way he and Lashes were able to defeat Mr. Two that quickly, and obviously we're all correct. Usopp and Lashes were defeated in two seconds as Sanji finds out. And in a creepy reveal, it turns out Mr. Two is in disguise and has even taken Usopp's goggles. 
He tries to verify with Vivi that it is Usopp and then shows her the bandage, but Vivi somehow confirms the exact opposite, that it's in fact not him, because we get a quick flashback that Zoro actually came up with the idea of making a two-layered signal with a cross mark underneath the bandage, which is the real signifier that it's the real person. This scene is pretty funny, as Sanji accuses him of being a fake Zoro because of how ingenious that plan is. But through Zoro's classic dramatic reaction to Sanji, this confirms to Luffy and Usopp that it's really him and then <laughs> in this really casual way. But yeah, we now have Vivi alone in the desert with no one around to help her and Mr. Two, of all people, bearing down on her as she is in big trouble. And then this is where the episode ends. And yeah, each episode up until now just seems to end on a massive cliffhanger and you just can't wait to watch more. And lucky for most of you nowadays, like you can just binge watch it and keep watching the episodes. But man, this was a killer at the time, whether you were reading chapter by chapter or you were reading episode to episode or watching episode to episode. Yeah, in closing, these are some intense episodes and it's only going to get even crazier as we have to split the Straw Hats into their duo pairs for their fights versus the Baroque works. And this is where all the cool stuff begins to happen. And I can't seriously wait to talk about it on the next several episodes. But... Anyways, as we come to a close, if you enjoyed this, send me a like or comment. If you want to join me on this journey of rewatching One Piece, consider subscribing, please. You can also check out my Instagram, and I don't know why I keep mentioning my Twitter account. I don't really update it, but it, they're both at Podcast. If you want updates of when I post new episodes or see some pictures, feel free to check that out. Um, I do want to talk about a few spoilers, kind of in sort of a shallow nature, but yeah, if you would like to listen to that feel free to stay tuned if not i'll see you on the next episode bye so yeah just a couple spoiler things i think one of the things i wanted to talk about was the luffy grabbing the arm after the water and the blood had sort of spilled on to the arm and it's funny because it's kind of a nice foreshadow as to like how Luffy will beat him because obviously in round two, he goes at him with a barrel of water and actually lands some pretty good hits on Crocodile. And then he still loses that round, but then he gets to round three and then now he's got the blood on his fists to help him actually land blows on Crocodile. So it's a nice foreshadow there. But to be honest, I, I mean, I don't know if it was maybe a spoiler to, to mention this in the non-spoiler section because... I had not put two and two together, to be honest. Like, it seems obvious now, but I remember as a kid when I read that scene, I didn't really think too much of it. I thought, oh, Luffy grabbed him. But I didn't put two and two together and thinking, oh, the water is what's going to make him solid. And, you know, it's funny because you you think that I could put that together, but I guess I was just an idiot back then. And then it wasn't until Luffy obviously comes back later on for round two. It's like, oh, that's right. But anyways, the other thing I wanted to talk about, obviously, is Robin. So, you know, Robin saving Luffy here. By this point, you you kind of start to get the sense that Robin may not necessarily be a good guy or a good person, but she definitely has an interest in Luffy and doesn't want to see him dead. I think, you know, by this point, you're we're wondering if maybe... There's something she wants from Luffy, whether it be information about his like history and where the name comes from, as well as the Will of D. But then later on, 
you know, obviously we find that Robin does hold have a very specific interest in Luffy as she wants to join the crew later and specifically asks Luffy if she could join for the very fact that maybe she's just curious about him. And then, you know, further on down the line, once we get to NES Lobby, we find out that the person that saved Robin was another D. You know, we got the Jaguar D. Sal who saved her. And then you get that whole speech from Aokiji or Kuzan about the D name. And, and then, you know, Robin sort of looking into the Void Century and whatnot. And there's obviously some sort of a connection with the Ds and the Void Century. And with those two pieces of history that Robin is very interested in, I think is one of the reasons why she kept such a close eye on Luffy and why she saved him here. But yeah, it's very it's it's interesting that Oda planted this seed so far in advance. Like I don't know, she must have had like he obviously had some idea of like what he was trying to do with Robin cuz the thing is this whole thing with Ohara and like the <laughs> This the Void Century and the Will of D, all of that stuff doesn't even come to pay off for another 300 episodes. That's like almost another like six years before that happens. And it's just insane. I, like, I honestly don't know how he does it, how he, he like, he is a genius when it comes to like just planning ahead. I, I know, and I know like not everything is planned ahead and some of it's just like, happy coincidence but this i have to think that he planned because of the comments that smoker makes about how she could flip the world upside down and why she has that high bounty and her interest in the will of d as well as her interest in the the poneglyphs i mean all of that it's it's premeditated like he basically mapped out robin's character arc all the way to that point and it's just insane to see where this all started and yeah i i personally when i watch these episodes i personally view miss all sunday or robin very differently and yeah i can't really see her in any other way anymore because of what i know about robin and what what she's gone through and so it's you know it sucks that i can't watch these episodes anymore with that sort of mystery and intrigue surrounding Robin, all I see is this, you know, very tortured woman just trying to survive. And yeah, it's very, it's a very sad thing to see. And, and, but it's also like really awesome to see like that she, she found Luffy, she found the straw hats and they go on this journey of slowly building up trust, especially that, that heartbreaking scene in the, in the cave or in the in the whatever you call that in the ruins after after crocodile's defeated and her talking to cobra but we'll talk about that scene you know when it actually happens but yeah it's just um she's such an interesting character you know and yeah i look forward to talking more about robin and and seeing her growth and watching watching that growth happen but anyways that's pretty much all i wanted to talk about in the spoilers section But uh, I hope you enjoyed this, and uh, thank you for listening. I'll see you on the next episode. Bye.